0: You ready? This is a surprise, because we only planned it a week ago. Chris is my best mate. We um, roomed together, no, we lived together before I was married. Chris was my best man at my wedding. Uh, We, (laughs) if he was the best man, why did she marry me? I don't know. Um, Whatever. Anyway, he was my best man, not, yeah. Um, we have travelled together on, to have fun, we have travelled together to minister, we have a lot in common. Uh, you know, la, <laughs> the amazing thing is we used to act together uh, and uh, a, a few years ago when Chris visited I actually played an old ad from the 90s, we were in a commercial together, for drink driving commercial, oh, that was, um, we burned it after that. But, and then last year, of all, of all the amazing coincidences, when I went back to acting work and I got that TV commercial for the credit union, six months later he goes for an audition and gets a TV commercial for another credit union. Uh, so Chris was also on TV last year. it was just quite, quite funny. But one of the similarities that we also have with all our differences is that somehow God has enabled us to, um, to see big picture stuff. Um, you know some people, they, they love the intricate detail of paintings or whatever and others just like to stand back and see the big picture. Um, I like that. I don't like following a GPS. I'd much rather have a look at a map and see the big picture and then I have an idea where I'm going. And one of the ways that Chris and I think similarly is that we do appreciate big picture stuff. Um, Like for me, if I teach on something, often I like to see the big scope of it through the scripture. It's It's not right or wrong. It's not the right way or the wrong way. It's just a persuasion. It's a personality. It's a gift. And Chris is very similar and I've actually asked him, this doesn't happen very often, but I've actually specifically asked him to talk to us about something today, a a, a teaching that he did in Alabama last year, last year in Alabama and uh, it is a big picture scenario of uh, God's history with his people, not biblical history, but history over, particularly over the last century. And he's going to explain that. But, um, so I've specifically asked Chris to bring this teaching to us today. It's really going to bless you and I hope give you a big picture idea of what God is doing prophetically around the world. Would you please put your hands together? Welcome, Chris Lackerbie. With his Mac. You can? I'll just, I'll just put the fan on you. He's only. He brought a fan from Hong Kong.
1: Can you feel that okay? Okay. Oh, perfect. Hi, everyone. How are you? Happy public holiday. What is it? I don't even know what it is. Adelaide Cup. All oh, right. <laughs> when you're a pastor, what are Mondays? What a public holiday Mondays? We lose track. Yes, um, Chad asked me to uh, bring a message, which is really unusual, uh, by request, and um, I put some PowerPoints together, uh, so I stick to the message <laughs> that I was asked to bring, because normally I I, uh, I don't prepare a message, I, I speak out of what God highlights in worship, and then just go with that. So I have a PowerPoint. I'm um, going to lay some principles down first, firstly... Um, a major thing about God uh, is that he ends how he began, but better. Okay? You can see that all through scripture. How it began is how it ends. This is Hebrew thinking, circular thinking. Westerners, we think linear. We think one plus two plus three equals six. Okay? But Hebrews think one plus two plus three equals six, which equals three plus two plus one. They end where well, they started, because God's Word never returns void. What you said at the beginning, it's going to end there, but better. So if you want to know how anything ends, you look how it started. What was God's original plan, His original design? Okay, so the obvious one is Genesis in the Garden of Eden. Man was a perfect spirit, soul, body, governed by a spirit that could walk in and out with God. Okay, you are not a human being having a spiritual experience. You are a spirit being having a human experience, okay? That, that's, what, that's what you are, yes? Okay? You're not a human a Christian trying to get into heaven through praise and worship. You're in heaven and you're trying to bring it to earth. That's where you are, okay? If God shut the heavens, you'll be on the inside. You're one spirit in Christ. You're raised to see it in heavenly places right now. You're a spirit being. That's what Jesus has restored us to. So, we look at the Garden of Eden, okay? In Eden, there was a garden. Uh, Eden means paradise. In paradise, there was a garden. And in this garden, mankind, like Adam, could commune with God seamlessly, okay? It was a place where all heaven and earth came together in Eden. This is how we began. In, uh, and there was no sin, there was no shame, and there was no disconnection between you and God, Okay, it was all seamless. This is how it began. Okay, God ends how he began, but better. Okay, so look how we began. And we were a family, God and man, and man and his family were family together. This is how it began. And then we've gone one plus two plus three equals six. (laughs) And now God's bringing three, two, one back to Eden again. What does God want? What's the plan for the church? Is it that we get the grace gospel out? Is it we get growth strategies? Is it that we get a Christian in politics? No. God wants a family together with no separation between each other and, and between him and God, uh, between us and God. That's what he's doing. He's preparing a bride for his son, uh, Adam and Eve together in a garden no separation, in complete innocence, okay? I uh, have a baby, a baby doesn't know any laws. So, no laws, no transgression. So, you've got a baby, and the baby gets up and walks around, touches the flat screen TV, okay? Pushes over a vase, poos on the floor, expects a hug. <laughs> and if you don't give the baby a hug... It feels like what? what? Yeah, you know, it, it's 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 horrified. It doesn't get a hug because it hasn't broken any laws, okay? But when you become law conscience, the tree of knowledge and good and evil to know good and evil to so know the law. When you become law conscience and you are a seven-year-old, and you touch a flat-screen TV, push over a vase, and poo on the floor. You're not expecting a hug, yeah? So Jesus completed the law as per righteousness. So you are now righteous and you're restored to innocence because there's no law, no transgression as for righteousness. So you can just expect a hug, okay? This is the offence of the gospel of grace. You can rob a bank, you can shoot the guard, get in your car and go, Father, and His presence will be there. There will be some earthly consequences, but between you and God, there's only innocence, because the Lamb of God took away the sins of the world. They're gone. They're gone. When Jesus died, all sin was future sin. So even your future sin is gone. You can rob a bank, shoot the guard, get in the car and go, Father, and His presence will be there. He sees no sin. Can will be made innocent, made perfect, made holy, one Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is restoring us to Eden, on earth, because that's how it began, that's how it's going to finish, okay? Family is what he's after, not church, not mega churches, family, together, together. So God's preparing a bride. And the most important thing I can tell you about the bride of Christ is that Jesus will not be unevenly yoked. Very good. He's not going to rescue package. He's not going to do the white knight thing. He doesn't get his identity from helping people out. Okay? <laughs> You see, I won't go there. He's not that person. He's coming back for a bride to be evenly yoked, pure and spotless. So to be evenly yoked means we must be the exact same thing he is. Good news. (laughs) The fivefold ministry is there to build us unto the fullness of the stature of Christ. To be exactly like he is. Individually, we're sons. Corporately, we're the bride. Individually, we're sons. Okay? We are the same sons that He is. He's the firstborn of many brethren. What He is, we are also. In fact, 1 John says, As He is, so are we now in this earth. And John saw Jesus as He is. Not as He was. Not even just Jesus of the Gospels. As He is. John saw Jesus raised and seated in heaven. Fire in his eyes, sword in his mouth, bronze feet to step on anything. As he is, so are you now on this earth. It's not a future grace, it's a present reality. Could any man be in Christ, he's one spirit with the Lord. I have Christ's spirit and Jesus' spirit. I have one spirit and my spirit is Jesus' spirit and Jesus' spirit is my spirit. We are one. I already contain the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Wow. It's not a future thing. It's now. Because as He is, so am I now in this earth. It's done. It's finished. We've entered our rest. Strive to enter the rest. If anyone's entered Christ's rest, they ceased from their labors. There's nothing to do. Righteousness is a gift. When you accepted Christ, that's exactly what you did. You didn't be- become a Christian. You accepted Christ. The person of Christ came and lived in you. You don't become righteous. Jesus Christ is your righteousness. You don't, so you don't get righteousness. He doesn't give you some righteousness. He gave you himself. And that is your righteousness. Christ is your righteousness. So when you do something unrighteous... Does it change what Jesus has done? So are you still righteous? The exact same. The minute before, halfway through, at the end, the minute after. You are the righteousness of Christ. He has become for us righteousness. Our righteousness. Jesus is my righteousness. I don't have my own righteousness. And there is the power of what has happened. Because Adam had his own righteousness. So he could give it away. I don't have my own righteousness. I can't give it away. Yep. So the second, Adam 2, the second plan is not going to fail. I can't mess up. It's already won. It's already finished. Whatever I do doesn't go back in time and make Jesus disobey the law and obey Satan. <laughs> nothing, there's nothing I can do to do that. The blood has done it all. The Lamb of God has taken away the sins of the world. My sins are gone. And I receive that by faith, I get born again. Died with him, because anyone anyone, uh, baptized in Christ and baptized into his death, and risen as him. As he is, so am I in this earth right now. One spirit. You die with him, you rise as him. So the full circle has come around. You are Adam in Eden. Innocent. Expect a hug. No law, no transgression. Communion with God. Communion with each other. We are one spirit. And all that we're doing is our souls are catching up to this reality, which is what we call belief. And you can't build yourself up to this amazing thing. It's a surrender. You just have to (laughs) surrender that it's true. But it can't be an intellectual pursuit. That means only certain people can get it. It's a surrender because anyone can surrender to truth. A child... uh, the Bushmen, the Kalahari, uh, <laughs> Oxford lecturers, everyone can surrender to a fact that it's true. Yep, so it's received childlike. So I just want to show you um, some things that God's doing. I just want to show human pattern. God's restoring his church to manifest what he's already done, that we are this thing, okay? Okay, and we know in Acts, we will not happen in Acts, and we used to preach 15 years ago, 20 years ago, let's get back to the book of Acts, Okay, that's crazy. The Acts is the baby church. And which book of Acts do you want? The one that didn't accept Gentiles? The one that uh, circumcised everyone? The one that still couldn't eat lobster? Which which one do you want? Okay, we want the book of Acts. We want the fullness of the stature of Christ. We want to be the bride, evenly yoked, the spotless bride on earth fully mature sons as he is so we're we now on this earth partaking in the divine nature what does it mean to partake in the divine nature <laughs> to be like God as he's given us he's given himself himself and that's our new nature our new creation born again and he said something very controversial but I won't not today <laughs> okay so that, that's what we are so we don't the book of Acts we know Acts started with like this and then it went down like this. I don't know what the zero level is, but down, down, down we went. And uh, um, we just maybe pull up the first slide there. And I'll, I'll put a slide up there. You think I did it for you? I didn't. I did it for me to keep me on course. Okay? So God's preparing a pure and spotless bride. And we can just flick over to the next one. Okay? And maybe we can just kill some of these lights. I'm happy to preach in the dark. We're not videoing this, are we? Uh, and maybe is that switch there? Can we kill those lights too? I'm happy to preach that. Oh, great! Oh, fantastic! Okay. You good, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Things has got better in here. Pure spotless bride. <laughs> yeah. That's what I say? Okay. So um, what happened is the church uh, initially was a families getting together. I wrote this very late last night. So any spelling corrections, just. Tell me afterwards. Um, uh, the church is people getting together, family getting together as family in unity of the Spirit, okay? Uh, and God would break out signs, wonders, and miracles, and we we'll meet in people's homes, and have people gifted with a fivefold ministry to come around and teach and minister, and people brought tongues and songs and, and prophecy, and they sang new hymns and things like that. And then a guy called Constantine. Uh, In the three hundreds, I believe, just mentally, just ooh, um, he was a Roman emperor, and he said, "Now Christianity is the religion of Rome." Before they used to kill Christians (laughs) to lions, and they said, "No, now Christianity is what we do," and they incorporated Christianity into their structure. Before it was the were the outcasts, so we met in homes, and now we became the main thing. And power corrupts. (laughs) Yep. And we stopped meeting in homes, started meeting in temples, and instead of everyone bringing and sharing something, we got a priest, because we used their, their religious system, okay? And I don't go too far into that. But what happened, and then we started getting governors and political structures, and we ended up with a pope. And pope means papa, means father. And Jesus said, call no man father. Okay? So now we have our laity and... Priests, Nicolaitan, and as you read uh, Revelations, Jesus detests the Nicolaitan spirit, the separation between gifted people with a gift for the church and people with gifts for the community. (laughs) Yeah, that's how they define it. And Jesus hates that, it says in Revelations, hates it. Okay, the detestable spirit of the Nicolaitans to separate priests as higher people over you because you are priests... Yeah, okay, you are priests. And now we've made two classes of people. And then we separate the scriptures from people. And once the scriptures are gone from people, you can preach whatever you want. And power came in. And we had this amazing thing called indulgences. Okay, that means if your family died, you could pay me the church, the only church on earth. This is us not the Catholics, this is us, the church, okay? You could pay the church and if you paid the church, we could get your people out of purgatory into heaven if you gave us some cash, okay? Penance for your sin, okay? Jesus, thank you, you did, did quite a fair bit, but I have to whip myself or punish myself or kneel on this wooden floor or rub ashes in my head. All the things Jesus died to take away, that's what you had to do to be forgiven, not the cross. The cross plus whipping yourself at the cross plus the rosary beads, okay? Uh, priests have said, Latin Bible, inquisition, so now no one expects the Spanish inquisition. We torture people who don't agree with us, just like Jesus did, okay? <laughs> you can see it got very dark and it also got very pagan and I'll even put on tape, very satanic. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then, okay, But God wants a bride, a bride, a bride, a bride, and he will have his way. He's in heaven and laughs at all our plans. So in the 1300s, a guy called John Wycliffe translated the Greek scriptures, not the Latin ones that the Catholics were using, or the the church, I should show you, the church was using, us, the church, okay? Uh, And John Wycliffe translated it into English. And now people could hear it from themselves because, because then all preaching was in Latin. Yep. Or sung in Latin, slowly. Okay. So John Wycliffe translated it into English. And now for the first time, people were reading the words of Jesus. And they could hear stories like Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. Never heard it before in their life. They could hear that Jesus sent on the mount and say, forgive those. They'd never heard that before, ever. They've always worshipped this God who was separated from them and the priest, priest, the Pope, and then God. And John, Cliff, John Wycliffe translated the scriptures into English. And now for the first time, people could hear God's word for themselves. This was amazing that you could actually go to a building and listen to someone tell you the holy scriptures that you've never heard in your whole life in your language. If you were German, the Germans also got one. You could hear it in your language. It was the most amazing thing. Now, the pattern starts. God wants to always give His people the chance to change. He raises up a, a leader, a judge or whatever, a, a transforming person to bring a new truth and He tries to transform what's there. He gets rejected because it uh, threatens the current power stronghold and He's forced to leave to start a new movement. A new movement starts because the flames moved on and signs, wonders, miracles, everything new life breaks out. And they think, this is it. We've done it. And then God raises up a new revelation. And they fight it. The new people fight it. And the person tries to change it from the inside. They fight it. Eventually he's forced to leave. He or she. And starts a new movement. And the power, signs and wonders break out. And they think, we are it. But they are pure spotless pride. No, they're not. So God brings more revelation through someone and you try and bring it to them, they refuse it, and on and on we go. And this is going to be the interesting story of the next 20 minutes. Okay, John Wycliffe brings a translation in the 1300s. In the 1400s, the Catholic Church freak out and say, anyone who's reading the the Bible in English or German must be uh, killed. Okay, must be uh, instantly burnt to death. They get John Huss who worked under John Wycliffe and they burn him over under his scrolls because every translation must be written by hand. No printing press in the 300s, okay? Every Bible from scratch is written by hand. They get all these written by hand books, which is probably most of his life. Wow. Burn him at the stake. And as he's burning, he says, in 100 years a man will come. His reformation will not be stopped. That was in 1415. In 1517... The same year the Catholic Church burnt, uh, was it seven sets of parents at the stake for teaching their children the Lord's Prayer in English? Uh, Luther came. And Luther, reading the Bible in his own language in German, worked out you do not have to whip yourself, pay indulgences, go to the Pope. You're saved by faith. And that's the only reason we know this. Okay? And this is amazing. Saved by faith. And he separated himself from under the church of God, the only church, and stepped out and said, Jesus alone will save me. And lots of people got that revelation and they left going to the church, going to the Pope, whipping themselves everything which was their salvation to say, Jesus alone did this. Amazing. He tried to bring it to the church first. They rejected it. He comes out. And people follow him. The remnant starts and uh, follow the, the move of God, and life explodes. And then they are tortured, they are killed, they are put to the sword to get us this truth: that if you believe in Jesus alone, you are saved. And they paid a huge price, huge price, huge price for this, okay. And then some other guys, called Calvin and Zwingli, okay. And then the Anabaptists said, if once you believe that means you're sprinkling as a baby, that meant nothing. You need to get baptised. Okay? As a believer, they call it the second baptism, because everyone was baptised as a baby then. This is your second baptism. Make a declaration, I have now because I believe in my heart, I've died and risen again. So now I have my new uh, birth. And who fought them? Lutheran, Calvin, Zwingli... And the followers of Zwingli would get these uh, Anabaptists and give them the third baptism, which means they would drown them. Because they thought they were right. Okay, so we're moving forward, moving forward. Uh, Go to the next slide. I skipped the 1600s for... Sorry, Presbyterians, but I skipped the 1600s. 1700s, okay, for sake of time, okay... A new revelation came by the Wesleys and George Whitfield and they wanted to bring it to the existing church, which they were in England, so it's the Anglican church, okay? And they had amazing revelation that you could have a personal salvation, even separate from belonging to the church, okay? It wasn't your, it wasn't your belonging to the church for your salvation, it was actually your confession to Christ which made you saved. And the Lutherans went... That's fantastic! Let's do that too! No, they didn't. The Anglicans went, That's fantastic! What a revelation! They said, no, they didn't. The Presbyterians? No, they didn't, okay? And then, if you are saved, personally, that means you can now represent Christ. And that makes you a priest. That means anyone can now share the gospel. The Anglican Church went, That's fantastic! No, they didn't, okay? and this is hugely controversial the fact that george whitfield and wesley used to argue about it because wesley still thought no you had to be a priest okay this is how controversial it was and george whitfield was trying to convince him no anyone can preach anyone can preach this is why this is why we can go out and talk to people on the streets because of this okay we didn't believe this beforehand okay in fact george whitfield found it so controversial he still didn't know if he could preach off church grounds okay so, he wanted to preach on church grounds. But the church stopped him from preaching on church grounds, so he went to the church where his father was buried, stood on his father's grave, which was his property, on church grounds, and preached from there. Because he still didn't know he could preach off church grounds. And finally, they worked it out. And Wesley and Whitfield went through all the country on their horses, and you know all the stories, and stuff like that and raise a horse from the dead and all these things and just preach to hundreds of thousands of people. Supernaturally, they'd, they'd preach and 200,000 people would hear their voice clearly. It was a supernatural moment. Supernatural moment. And that's why we can have evangelism on the streets and you can tell your friends, you have to bring them to see the priest. You can just tell anyone because of these guys. And they were fought hard, fought hard. And then we get the Methodists, yep, yeah? okay? And the Methodists did this. This is how you know that you're saved and you, you can share it and great signs, wonders and miracles and joy happen. And then go on to say, right, let's move on. <laughs> I've got some more things to tell you. You can also know that you are holy. And the Methodists went, that's fantastic. No, they didn't. <laughs> and so Charles Finney in the 1800s, which we now call the Holiness Movement, uh, had to leave and, and, and start some more because the church rejected. But God's preparing a bride. Can you see what's happening here? The same pattern over and over again. And every church where they are thinks the people behind them are stupid and the people in front of them are stupid. And we've got it right. The same when you, This is a very human thing to do. Because okay? you drive your car and the person in front of you going slow is an idiot because he's going too slow. And the person goes past you is an idiot because he's going too fast because you're going at the right speed. It's a very human, it's a very human thing. Whatever chat is, it's one of those things too. Okay? And this is what everyone's doing. They're not following the Holy Spirit. They're getting their identity from their movement and from their understanding of Scripture rather than following the Holy Spirit. So worship, they're worshipping Father, Son and Holy Scriptures. Not Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Okay? I'm saying this with do the same thing today. Alright? Um, so, Finney brings us in and Finney brings us amazing things up. Like women can pray in church. Okay, this is—it's oh, no, still controversial to this very day. No, no, he said, women can pray in church. Many, many things. Okay, and this holiest movement—they call it the, the, the sanctification, the second sanctification, second salvation, second sanctification. You could actually know that you were holy. You got saved. Okay, and then you prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed to receive the fact that you were holy, and it became a revelation. that you knew your sins were taken away, and you were holy. And then from there, you could like maybe. Set yourself aside and get uh, all, don't read the newspaper and all these, and the, don't go to the theater and all these things. And you got yourself in the, uh, you protected your holiness and you could have this ecstatic vision or get a visitation from God maybe if you were special. Okay? And then the 1900s, was it 1906? Pentecost. Uh, Pentecostal, not Pentecost, Pentecostal, Azusa Street. The Holy Spirit fell on the church in Azusa Street, won by um, Charles Parham and William Seymour. Now, William Seymour was African-American, okay? And this is amazing because in one moment, African-Americans, white people, uh, Indians, Chinese, all in one building and men and women sat wherever they wanted to and one break of the Holy Spirit wiped out years of tradition when the Holy Spirit fell like that, bang. And they started, anyone could heal, anyone could speak in tongues, anyone could prophesy... And the thing that the Holiness Movement really desired to be this holy person, to get there, saw all the fruit of it happening and went, that's fantastic! We should have... The... No, 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 they worked really hard to be holy. And they fought the Holiness Movement. In fact, the Holiness Movement were the largest persecutors of the Pentecostal Movement. They called it... They called tongues the gibberish of the devil. They called, they called the Pentecostals, Pentecostals the vomit of Satan. Okay? Cause they were the leading light, as everyone thinks they the leading light in their current movement. When the next movement moves on, they get left behind, they fight it hard. So, the very thing they fought and got punished for and died for to follow Christ became a movement to a monument. <laughs> they stay there, and when God moves on, they stay there and fight the next move of God. God's restoring truth to His church. So, Pentecost, uh, Pentecost, Azusa Street, okay, and Amy Simple McPherson comes out of that, which means women can preach and prophesy and heal. It's, it's like, it's the most amazing thing, okay? People still, still fight this today, actually, that's true, okay? And Amy Simple McPherson brings it out, and um, it's, so anyone can do anything because of the Holy Spirit. I want to show you something. Every new move of the Spirit confirms the last, okay? The Catholics believed in virgin birth they believed in the death on the cross and resurrection. Okay? Always had that. Now, Luther says you're saved by faith. If you're saved by faith, you must have death on the cross, virgin birth and resurrection. Instantly confirms it, yeah? So, let's say, um, priest of all believers, instantly confirms you must be saved by faith. Because how you can you be a, a priest? If, you're, if, you, if everyone can be a priest, that means you, you get it by gift, not by going to uh, uh, a tradition and getting taught in seminary. Okay? And then... People, everyone prophesying and speaking in tongues, and means everyone's a priest. See how the next move confirms the last. Yep, okay. And then we had the World Wars, which sort of uh, interrupted the the flow of God and what he was doing. But I think he was quite prepared for that. He's alright, okay. Uh, Next slide. Okay. The 1950s came. I know you're reading ahead. I'll let you do that. It's okay. It doesn't worry me. Okay. The 1950s, after the World Wars, Brought back the, the power of God, okay? Oral Roberts, Jack Coe, William Brannon, We know William Brannon, okay? I hope he spelled his name right. I just typed, okay? He would just stand there and a man would bring amazing power. And he'd sit there and go, there's a lady here, she's wearing a yellow top. She was born in, in 1923. She got hit by a car when she was four years old. It's damaged her knee in three places. This morning, she was writing in her diary and she said this to God You also have consumption, whatever. <laughs> Come to Ford, God's going to heal you now. Healed. Next person, next person like that. Okay. Uh, Oral Roberts. Okay, Oral Roberts. Uh, Pentecostals were completely poor before then. Okay. Pentecostals, were a new movement, they were the scum of the earth. And he discovered sowing and reaping <laughs> and brought it back. And now oh, the Pentecostal churches are the wealthiest churches. Okay? He brought that in. So lots of, and, and Jack and many other um, amazing signs and wonders. Okay? So we've always had a pastor. And now, God's restoring the evangelist. Okay? As a permanent fixture in the church. Okay? Always been evangelists. The evangelists now. We remember the five-fold ministry to get to the forms of the Statue of Christ. Okay? 1960s, there's a Spirit of God movement. Okay? Baptism in the Holy Spirit. And what we know is the charismatic movement. And I think it was 1964, uh, Anglican Church in California, got hit by the Holy Spirit. Argument's over. <laughs> we didn't believe in speaking in tongues, but we are, so we've changed our theology. <laughs> okay? 1967, the Catholics got it. The Catholic Charismatic Movement was one of the most significant ones. Okay, and all these other places. So you're Presbyterian or Methodist or Unitarian, whatever you were, the Holy Spirit hit you, argument over, and God caught lots of people up. The Jesus Movement caught lots of people up instantly like this. the Holy Spirit changes all your theology. Can experience speech and argument like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, 1970s was the Word of God Movement. Before we're moving in hundreds of years. Then it got in the in the, uh, in the, 60, in the 1800s, it became every 30 years. Okay, there's three major moves in the 30s. Okay, and now it's every 10 years. Yeah. 1970s, the Word, Word of God movement, the authority of the Scriptures. After World War II, before World War II, especially after World War II, uh, is God true? Are the Scriptures real? There's so much horror in the world. The authority of the Scriptures is up for grabs. Are they really just Jewish writings? Are they true? Can you believe in them? Can you concentrate them? Can you trust them? And uh, the Word of Faith movement yeah. came through. TBN started in the 1970s and the Word of Faith got preached all through America. And we all know um, all the Texans. What's their Hagen. name? Hagen. Hagen. Hagen was just before then and his people he taught were the Kenneths, the Copelands, the Kenneth Copeland and Kenneth Weber. <laughs> I've got their names. But they brought in the Word of Faith movement that you could believe the scriptures. They were supernatural and if you believe this verse, that by His stripes I am healed, then you, as an individual, could receive healing in your lounge room by believing in the Scriptures. Things that we believe now, okay, they believe that. And the rest of the churches and the charismatic movement went, that's fantastic. No, they didn't. The charismatic movement stayed a bit woo, loopy and they, they're governed by their emotions and they sort of slid away because God's bringing the word of faith movement. The Scriptures are true. And Kenneth Copeland and those guys demonstrated over and over again that you could believe what the Bible said and it would come to pass because God always performs His Word. Okay? And they believed it from a, a spiritual point of view. And then the Lusanne the Covenant from Switzerland was when all the evangelical churches got together. Um, Billy Graham was there and John Stott, if you know John Stott, he was there and they're the two big wigs from America and, and then Europe, they got together and they decided for all there was 2,000 denominations there represented, which is a little bit crazy in itself, and they said, "Um, we say that the Bible is God's Word and it is inerrant, Old Testament and New Testament, and is the only instruction for Christians. That's where we get it from. That's why we trust the Bible, because if we were Christians uh, before then, we wouldn't know. But the fact that everyone has a Bible, you can believe in the Word, and God performs His Word, it came through this. And the charismatic movement, which were the movement of God, did not move into believing the Scriptures. They tried to stay with the experience, but God moved on. They wanted you to believe His Word, the Word of Faith movement, the Word of God movement. And in the 1980s, God restored prophets to the church. And when you, everyone here probably was Christian doing uh, around then, a school of prophets, and all these things happened in the 80s. Okay, Kansas City prophets were Everyone that's a standard, uh, world renowned prophet today sort of comes from um, John Paul Jackson, um, who wrote uh, James, Gold. James Gold, the final quest, Rick Joyner, uh, Mike Bickle, okay? They came through. And here's the pattern the Word of Faith movement, who believe the Bible, the written Logos Word of God, believe when you read it, it becomes the real Word of God, who believe it, and as people were prophesying extemporaneously from the Word of God, they went, yes, let's move to that. No, they didn't, because they were experts in the Word. That's what their identity was. They did not move with the prophets. Okay? You can see the pattern. And the prophetic movement was where everything is. And they started prophesying, and amazing things would come to pass, and uh, amazing 20 years, 30 years, 60-year prophecies would come out, and they all looked very accurate. And then everyone wanted to be a prophet, and it got a bit loose, and everyone started prophesying doom and destruction, and San Francisco's going to disappear into the sea, and all these things like that. Okay, and then in the 1990s, God brought in apostles. Always had a pastor. The evangelists came in in the 50s, teachers in the 70s, 80s prophets, 90s apostles. Five fold ministry to bring in the fullness of the stature of Christ. And the prophets went, Yes, let's be accountable to apostles. That's awesome. No, they didn't. <laughs> and so a new movement had to begin. And people like Dudley Daniel, who actually lives in this area, okay, now an amazing man, uh, Peter Wagner, Terry Virgo, these people started apostolic movements, where an apostle laid foundations of grace and truth, and you relate to uh, the fivefold ministry as a local church, and you invite the fivefold ministry in, it's by relationship only, it's not by signing a contract, you don't belong to a denomination, it's relational, and they brought apostolic authority. When they spoke, something changed. If you ever seen... Um, Bill Johnson speak, okay, I can tell the same story Bill Johnson says, and it has a different effect. <laughs> he stands there and says, rise and shine, oh, I can't do his voice, because your light has come. <laughs> and everyone just goes, wow! He holds apostolic, fatherly apostolic authority okay and we started a family and then the apostolic movement's there and the apostolic movement now had the fivefold ministry they've got teachers and pastors and prophets connecting to them okay and they thought this is it now we're going to do it we've got it there's nothing more needed the same way that people thought saved by faith was moved or the pentecostal thought this is it they thought this is it and they then god moved on I am I'm talking, these people here, I'm not talking about these people individually as individuals. I'm talking about apostolic movements as a whole movement, okay? on every person up here. So we we'll just go to the next slide. The 2000s. Now if you said in 1990, in the year 2000, gemstones were going to appear in people's hands, people were going to get covered in gold dust, oil would appear on people's palms and fill the whole room, and people would disappear into the glory realm, find their stolen watch and come back and their watch would be on their hand. You have said that's Satan. In the 1990s, if you said I can stand here and God has revealed to me every devil in this room and their hierarchy, and I can see them, people go, "Wow, you're spiritual." In the 1990s, you said I can see every angel in this room. I know their names and their hierarchy. People said you're a Satan. (laughs) Get it? And then the um, the glory of God movement came, which is the we know we call it the Grace movement. Yep. The grace, the grace of God came, which the very thing the apostles were supposed to put in place, foundations of grace and love. But they didn't because they stayed with their structures and the grace movement came on. And people had to try to bring it to those movements. The movements rejected it and they moved on. And we have the grace movement of God. And when the grace is there, that means, as we said, by the fullness of grace, by understanding and the knowledge of the full gospel of grace, that you have complete access to God at any time right now you're a spirit and you can access God and his blessings right now by Jesus' righteousness. That was a very poor description of the grace movement, but <laughs> you, I, you know you know it, it gets taught here, okay? Grace, it's all by grace. God did it for you, it's a gift. And because you are now the righteousness of Christ, he's going to reward you for it. It's very, very offensive. And the absolute movement didn't move with it. So now we have the grace movement and we have people like um, Rob Rufus, and Andrew Womack is coming here and um, um, uh, Joseph Prince, okay, bringing the grace movement and then the glory came with it with people like um, Jason Westerfield and Joshua Mills, okay, it came together. Glory and grace comes together. I hope it's not trademarked but it comes together. Glory and grace comes together. Another pattern we see, it started in Israel and moves West to Europe. And then the, 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 the French had it, and then the Germans had it, and the Germans gave it up, and the English had it, and then it moves west to America. America had it, and now they rejected it, and it's moved west. Where's Rob Rufus? Hong Kong. Where's Joseph Prince? Singapore. It's moved west to Asia. Who's next? China and Australia. Yep. the it gets back to... Israel, and Jesus will say hello. Okay, 2000s, glory of God movement. Now, we're moving to the 2010s, okay? Now, if you said in 1990, the next season, there would be uh, gemstones appearing in people's hands and people would get them out of their hands and put it in their rings and hold it forever, like Jeff Jansen, he's at our church at the moment, he's got a ruby this big, the angel gave him. It's in his ring, it's massive. I mean, it's absolutely massive. Came out of the glory realm. He got it, thank you very much, angel. Got put it into a ring, and there he wears it. Okay? That would sound crazy. Now we accept that. Okay? The 2010s, the Faith of God movement, which I've always called like uh, New Creation, that you have the mind of Christ, the love of God, the joy of the Lord, and the faith of God. The life I live, I live by the faith of God. I have the God kind of faith, have God's faith. Okay? Word of faith movement is that like you have faith in the Word. Now we realize after the grace movement, even having faith in the word is like a work. No, no. You got given Christ, you have his faith. And when you know that when Christ said when God said, let it be, let there be light, it wasn't going, Oh, I hope this works. Oh. Yeah. He knew. Christ is in you, and the fact that you're a new creation, that Christ in you, you're once built with Christ, okay, you are Christ on earth, that's what you are. Anyone who knows Christ must walk as he did. You've been given that ability. It's the faith of God in you, and when you speak, the faith of God's in your words. Okay, and you will see the creative miracle come. In the same way, in the year two thousand, or two thousand one, two thousand four, uh, even two thousand five, I can remember getting around then. Um, the, the grace movement hadn't taken hold, and there wasn't really many signs, ones wonders, miracles. By two thousand and ten, it was everywhere. Okay, so this, this is the movement that's taking hold place now. The faith. Of God. And everyday Christians, because of grace, they'll never disqualify themselves. You can get drunk, go to a brothel, get a black eye, come out and heal someone. You can. Because nothing disqualifies you. And that's how offensive it is. And in the, over these next few years, we're going to see Christians performing amazing signs and wonders individually because you have the faith of God in your voice. Okay. Now, these next few. I've got from a prophecy from uh, Bob Jones, okay. he got given the hundred-year prophecy, and I've, so from the 1950s to the 2050s, I've used his terminology. I'm going to show you that prophecy in a minute. I'll run through these ones, okay? Because remember, what does God want? He wants we were sons walking the fullness of stature of Christ on this earth, and He wants a pure and spotless bride, and He wants it returned to Eden, which is the family. Okay, so where does all this heading? We didn't get the Grace Movement to or the fivefold ministry to have a great apostolic network. We get the grace gospel so we could argue against the Pharisees, okay? We, it's all moving towards something. The grace movement, okay, as a movement, is not moving into the new creation faith of God movement. It's not. I'm not talking about the individuals I mentioned, okay, that I mentioned some individuals by name. I'm talking as a movement, it's not. They're staying in grace, And what happens when you stay in the movement after God moves on? You become very combative and you fight the next movement. So if you get into blogs or you go into Facebook, you'll see grace people now picking fights on the internet, which is very ungracious. Yeah? Okay? And now the grace movement's gone so far and and now you just preach grace, 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 and that's all you preach as a subject. You've got to find grace in every story in the Bible. Okay? And everyone's a story of grace. Okay, because they're running out of topics to of stories to preach about to get something new. and you know, God's moved on to something new. And um, they're saying, okay, and to get their grace theology and hold it as an individual itself, they're saying stuff like everything Jesus said is Old Testament, and Paul writes the New Testament. Okay? They're saying stuff like that. And you'll, you'll hear that more and more. Okay, they're erasing hell. There's no hell. Okay, because how, how can the graceful God have hell? All, all, these, all these things like that. Okay? And uh, you can see how it's going to error not moving with, with the Holy Spirit yep um, everything Jesus said wasn't Old Testament <laughs> I make that very clear but that's that's where they're going to defend their little ministry thing they're not moving on to fully mature sons they're staying in grace now grace gets you from Egypt into the desert and in the desert you can do whatever you want you can complain about the water God gives you new stuff you can complain about the food God give you meat you can grumble against. you can do whatever you want God's going to bless you Okay, but God wants to get you into Canaan as a fully mature son into your inheritance, which is already given to you. So we need to make you into mature sons. Okay, we need to go and take the land already given to us. Okay, which is the full stature of Christ. So God's me the faith of God movement that so we can do the works of Jesus by His faith in us. Not mighty people faith, I build up my faith, but I surrender to the fact that God lives inside me and His faith does this. And the grace movement needs to move to this. Some of them aren't. Some of them are, okay? Remnant move forward. People that didn't accept the grace movement are still stuck in the apostolic movement and that's crumbling very quickly because they didn't realise their relationships were sustained by the Holy Spirit and now left, they've moved the Holy Spirit's doing this. They're trying to hold these relationships what was once sustained by the Holy Spirit and they can't hold them, Yep. But grace churches just meet everyone and they do care. You preach grace, I preach grace! And like, and just gets along really well with no apostolic network whatsoever, almost like God's building His own bride. It's amazing. Okay, so 2020's, the rest of God. Now, this is in the future. This is, this is crazy. We're getting out there. This is by Bob Jones' prophecy, which we'll show in a minute. The God of the universe of all creation is at rest in you. God, who created everything, lives inside you in, and is at rest in you. Okay? There's lots of Bible verses to go into about that. He's at rest in you. And Bob Jones says, this will change all spiritual warfare, like Jesus in the boat. Okay, at the moment, by revelation, we sort of do a bit of <clears throat> spiritual warfare. Okay, when this revelation comes, Christ is at rest in you. Okay, the storms are there. you're sleep, man. It's all good. <laughs> okay, our new rest is coming from that west in the 2030s. The family of God, unity, no denominations, none. We're well, we at revelation, maintain unity of the spirit, uh, arrive at the unity of the faith. we all. One family. Now, God's restoring... Can you see how God's restoring Eden? Okay, all one family. Um, uh, Kat Kerr, K-A-T-K-E-R-R. lady, a C-A-R-E-L-M, laddie, uh, it goes to heaven lots of times. God showed her this time. She, she saw pictures of pastors getting this revelation and being so horrified, they run outside and they tear down the denominational sign. She saw them tearing them down and ringing up other pastors in tears, saying, we're brothers, we're brothers, I'm so sorry. By the move of God. Remember when the Holy Spirit fell in Azusa Street, all the rules are gone. (laughs) Can we have black and white people in the same church? Gone. The men and women have to sit separately. Gone. (laughs) Like just, Okay. Revelation comes. Eukumenical movement. Thank you very much. That worked not very well. Holy Spirit comes. Gone by revelation. Yep. With this unity, there's a blessing. Okay. I'm going to say something very controversial here. Remember the 1990s, wouldn't believe in diamonds. Okay. Bob Jones says uh, that if you make it to the 2030s, that'll be the generation that won't know death. Because in the unity, we can raise people from the dead. You make it to 2030, that'll be the first generation that won't taste death. Just saying, just put it out there, put it out there, you send it right back. 2040s, kingdom of God. Kingdom authority, okay? What did Jesus do? Brought the kingdom. Oh, you got, you're sick. That's not the kingdom. Here's the kingdom. Bang. Okay? You're rejected. That's not the kingdom. Here's the kingdom. Bang. Like that. That easy. Kingdom of God. Kingdom authority. We walk as Jesus did. As John said, anyone who knows Christ must walk as he did. Okay? A gift. And the 2050s, the sons of God, fully manifest sons of God on earth. Not as he was, as he is. We could transfigure bodies, you can trans wherever you want, okay? I say this, this is really important because, you know, all the, all the Christian teaching coming out, that Antichrist, can't do here, locked down, get put into camps, can't trade, can't travel. Christ... <laughs> if there's three realms, natural realm, spiritual realm, heaven... The Antichrist can then go to the top of the top of the top of the spiritual realm. You're in heaven, so he's under your feet. Okay? Antichrist. Antichrist. Okay. Fully manifest sons on earth, a pure and spotless bride. I have a friend. God took him to 2057 and showed him the church. You know what the church was doing? Whatever it wanted. Okay? complete authority. You imagine if Jesus came to Victor Harbor. Now, how much Victor Harbor would change if he actually lived here? Imagine two. Imagine two Jesuses. Okay, one did Goa. Okay. <laughs> imagine 20. Imagine 3,000. Christ on earth. It's better that I go and send the Holy Spirit. It's better. These signs are greater. This is what our Bible says. It's always been in Scripture. Always been there. God is doing it because He wants to be evenly yoked pure and spotless bride. Uh, I don't know anyone that's seen beyond 2050. I've heard two people that, separate to this prophecy of Bob Jones, they said they saw in the 2050s. That's what they saw. Okay, Bob Jones dropped the 2050s. It's very interesting. The world's going to get darker, but it doesn't affect us. We're not of the world. Okay, We've died and risen again. We belong to another place. What I'd like to do, like to do is show you the, um, the video Of Bob Jones. He's very casual, and he talks very, has a very um, droll and uh, accent, and he speaks very quietly, but you'll pick it up very quickly. So we can play that.
2: Years ago, he gave me a a 100-year prophecy. The 1950s was revealed the power of God. William Branham, A. Allen, Oral Roberts, uh, Jack Cole, uh The 1960s revealed the Spirit of God. That's when the baptism of the Holy Spirit began to come into denominations. The 1970s was the Word of God. That's when really inspired teachers began to raise up and show us a, a new understanding already of the written Word. The 1980s began to reveal the prophets of God, the inspired uh, uh, uh people that get the inspired Word. The 1990s, we begin to get a revelation of, of the government of God. The 2000s will be the glory of God. So, uh, a lot of these, uh, uh, gold flakes, mm-hmm. gold teeth and everything is beginning to, just on the verge of revealing the glory of God. Then, uh, the 2010s will reveal, uh, uh the faith of God. It's not have faith in God, it's have the faith of God. Mm-hmm. And so, I think we're coming up to the key point of where we see the Holy Spirit in God moving so much that we believe it. And where our faith is in God, and when he speaks in us, we will proclaim his word, and it will have the faith of God in it. Uh, the 2020s will reveal the rest of God, to where the body will come into a place of resting in God, where God will rest in us. And in this rest, uh, the enemy will not be able to do warfare because we're resting in God and he's resting in us and he will accomplish the things he means to do in a people that's at rest. He's always wanted a people that would come into his rest. and never has been one, but it's on the way. Uh, the, the 2030s will reveal the family of God. Such a unity, if you, if you pick on one, you pick on all. And intercession... Where if you're picking on one, intercessors immediately all over come right in. It's a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 2040s reveal the coming forth of the kingdom of God, kingdom authority, kingdom son, sons of the kingdom. Uh, the 1950s reveal the sons of God. They'll grow into where they uh, uh, have a light on them and a likeness of the son of God. And I saw up to the 2060, that's as far as I saw. And the church was here. It wasn't beat down. It was walking in the glory of God. It had the power of God on it. It had the power over death. It had the power over weather. It had the power over everything. And we're in a time of growing. When I don't know what season it comes in there, but there will come a season in there in those last, I believe those last uh, uh, 30 years. For death will have no part over those that are the sons of God. There is a generation that won't know death, and I believe these youth is getting ready. And these youth is being prepared now, and those that's yet not saved. They won't be afraid of death because they'll go every place in the world. They'll take it. You won't be able to stop them. And we know that in the last days that some of these, that if you take their lives, they have the power to raise it up again. Mm. And I was seeing that kind of resurrection power in the church in the last days. So I don't know when it will begin, but I rather felt that it would begin uh, in the 2030s.
1: <laughs> okay, so he's got the first 60 years right. I can't vouch for his time scale, but I can certainly vouch for what he's saying. Because in the scriptures. Okay, so when the era now, it's not having... Uh, faith in God, it's the faith of God. Okay, It's going to come by revelation. God's going to raise up teachers, it's going to be demonstrated and we are not going to stand in the grace movement, we are going to move where God's moving. Okay, And then everyone's going to be moving around in faith, 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 faith and God's going to bring in a rest teaching. Now if you think grace was controversial to people who are working hard, wait till a rest teaching comes through. But God doesn't do anything with telling, telling it to his prophets. We're already ready for that, okay? Because at rest, we'll be able to become family. He said in the 2030s, that's when the ability to the church broadly across, you will have it now, but as a broad thing, of, uh, if someone raises falls down, we've got to raise them up. And we'll be one, one church and one unity. I just want to read you... Uh, I was going to quote something from Bob Jones in that because some of his things are a little bit hard to understand. The 2040s, the coming forth of the kingdom of, of sons of God, who will possess a likeness of the Son of God with power over death, the weather, everything. There will come a season when death will have no part, a generation that will not know death and they will not be afraid. If their life is taken, they'll have the power to resurrect it. I want to finish by reading this message by a guy called Tommy Hicks in 1961. Okay, so 61 is coming out of the Brannan era, the Jack Coe or Roberts era, where one person has amazing gifts and you go to the tent and you see him. You get called out, you're very lucky. Yep, okay, 20,000, 10,000 people and maybe 100 people get ministered to and you watch it, okay? He had this dream in 19, June 25, 1961. had it three times in exact detail. And it was so offensive to him, there's some things which are so offensive, because God had given him three times, because in that mindset, remember, uh, no word of faith movement, no grace movement, no, no, none, none of these things have come through yet, so he's moving in the 50s, World War II, 1950s of mindset, and God gives him this vision. And the point of it is, that anyone can perform a miracle, and he just cannot handle that fact. Okay, it, just, it just blows his grid that people who have not gone to seminary or had angelic visitation can perform miracles. He just cannot get his head around it. And then what offends him the most, is people, the Christians are saying, by my word you are healed. Which is like, blasphemy in his ears. But we know me and Christ are one. You and Christ are one. And you have the faith of God in your words. Okay? As Kerry Blake says, just start pretending you're Jesus and you'll do all right. <laughs> okay? Because you are. You and Christ are one. You have one spirit. I have My spirit is Christ's spirit. We are one being. We're already joined. Okay? There's a wedding feast coming up, not a wedding. We're already, Pentecost was coming one. Okay? Paul, uh, Peter says, What I have, I give to you. Okay? What I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. This is Tommy Hicks' vision. God is going to take the do nothings, the nobodies, the unheard of, the no accounts. This, this shocks him. He's going to take every man and every woman and he's going to give them this outpouring of the Spirit of God. I was bewildered as I watched it. But these people that he had anointed, hundreds of thousands of people all over the world, in Africa, England, Russia, and China. And you think this is 1950, so Russia and China? Like, wow. America, all over the world. The anointing of God was upon these people and they went forward in the name of the Lord. I saw these men and women as they went forth. They were ditch diggers, they were washerwomen, they were rich men, they were poor men. I saw the people who were bound with paralysis and sickness and blindness and deafness. As the Lord stretched forth to give them this anointing, they became well, they became healed and they went forth. And this is the miracle of it, the glorious miracle of it. Those people these normal people would stretch forth their hands exactly as the Lord did. And it seemed as if there was the same liquid fire on their hands. This shocks him that Christians are performing miracles, okay? As they stretched forth their hands, they said, according to my word, be thou made whole. All over the world, these people went and they came through fire and through pestilence, through famine, neither fire nor persecution. Nothing seemed to stop them. These men and women were of all walks of life. Degrees will mean nothing. He couldn't get his head around it. (laughs) I saw these workers as they were going over the face of the earth. When one would stumble and fall, another would come and pick him up. That's the uh, family of God movement. There was no big guy, little you. But every mountain was brought low and every valley was exalted. They seemed to have one thing in common. There was a divine love, a divine love that seemed to flow forth from these people as they worked together and as they lived together. It was the most glorious sight I'd ever known. Jesus Christ was the theme of their life. This is my beloved bride whom I've waited for. She will come forth even tried by fire. This is she that I have loved from the beginning of time. This is us. My life has been changed as I realise that we are living in that end time. For all over the world, God is anointing men and women with this ministry. It will not be doctrine. It will not be churchianity. It's going to be Jesus Christ. They will give forth the word of the Lord and we are going to say, and I heard it many times in the vision, (laughs) according to my word, be it done. 1961, you saw that? So still in the 50s revelation, 1961. God says over and over again, we are going to walk in the fullness of the statue of Christ. You have that now inside you, you can access that now. There are no amazing gifted Christians, there's only forerunners. Any minister you see moving in anything is you. They're just a forerunner because you don't want their anointing. You're going to walk in Christ's anointing, which is the fullness of the stature of Christ. When you read the Gospels, you're not Peter, you're not Paul, you're not Thomas, a woman pushed through, you're not the um, Roman centurion, you're not the Pharisees. They're all unsaved, unregenerate people there's only one person in the gospel was born from above and that's Christ. That's how you relate to a fallen world. That's what you are. But he worked under law and had an undefeated foe. We're free from the law and have a defeated foe. These signs are greater. You've got to put the peg right out there and know that Jesus will build his church and he is moved with that. All these things are available to us now. You can become a forerunner. But I want you to know that God's building His church. We don't stay with any movement. We don't belong to any movement. We belong to God. He bought us. And He's preparing a pure and spotless bride, evenly yoked. He's going to marry a bride the same as Him, exactly the same as Him. And He will prepare that bride. And that's what's happening. We're living the most exciting time. The world's going to get very dark. It doesn't matter. We don't belong to this world, okay? We belong to another world and we can overcome. Praise be the Lord God who always leads us in the triumph of victory in Christ Jesus. A little bit of misquote, but close, close. <laughs> as close as the Latin Bible. <laughs> this is the most exciting thing. You have been chosen before the foundation of the earth to live in this time. God wants you in this time. Before the foundation of the earth, I knew you, knew, intimately knew, you and God talked to each other before the foundation of the earth as a spirit being and you were born into this earth at this time to fulfill the scroll on your life. Is the most, if you are born at this time, you are greatly loved. You are alive at this time, you are greatly loved. You're going to see amazing, amazing things. You're going to see a church in unity walking walk the fullness of the statue of Christ. Everyone together, if one falls down, you raise him up. They will not taste death. Your only reference point would be if Jesus was here, what would happen? Jesus is here. He's fully come in the flesh. Here he is. That's what's going to happen. And that'll be your only reference point. As crazy as that sounds, it's probably as crazy as prophecy sounds to the Word of Faith movement, as crazy as miracles, signs, and wonders, uh, gold, dust, and oil sounded to the apostolic movement. Because heaven is coming to earth in us. From us, we are bringing heaven to earth. We're going to make this place Eden. Cause it starts, finishes how it starts, but better. And you have been chosen. Praise be to God. It's a free gift. All right, let's pray. Father, amazing. Thank you that you've chosen the foundation of the earth for for this time. Thank you, you knew us before we formed the womb. Thank you for God. Great works put aside for us before the foundation of the earth. Thank you. We can partake in the divine nature. Thank you and put in the new nature that's created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Thank you, Lord. That as He is, so we now on this earth. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for this family. Thank you we have the unity of the Spirit. Thank you we're achieving the unity of the faith. Thank you for this revelation. Thank you for all these people gone before us. Thank you for for the, for the Bickles. Thank you for the Hagans. Thank you for the Luthers. We honour them. Lord, we honour them greatly. Thank you for the Anabaptists who were, who were uh, drowned that we could be water-baptised. Thank you for the people that burnt the stake that we could have the Bible in our own language. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the people that were beaten because they believed in speaking in tongues. Thank you for all these people, Lord, that have brought the church forward to this moment, Lord, and we will take the baton and see it through the end. Thank you you've chosen us to walk in the fullness of the stature of Christ. Thank you this is your work in us. It's a rest, Lord, and we surrender to your goodness that you've chosen us to live this time and we are just going to keep in step with you. We're going to believe what you say and live in that rest. We've ceased from our works. We're going to live in the rest of Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you from this rest comes peace and joy and, and healing and miracles and signs and wonders. And thank you that we're going to see all these things from our words and our hands. And thank you for this season, Lord. And we surrender and fully engage in this faith of God season. That we're Not faith in you or in the word, but the faith of God. Not faith in God, faith of God. And we have that already. It's always been there. It's always been in scripture. And now the revelation has come and we will walk in that and then we'll move into rest and family as your spirit guides. Thank you, Father, for your wisdom, your manifold wisdom that confuses the enemy, but uh, (laughs) it's for your glory and you've invited us in as partakers of the divine nature. We love you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You have saved us. Amen. 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 Oh, why don't you stand?
0: Oh, you did well. When you, when you talk in broad brushstrokes, there's always going to be fine details you miss. Don't let any of that rob anything from you today. The broad brushstrokes are a beautiful thing. And um, as we look into the future, and we don't know exactly how things will look, and it's the same with any potential future, as people say, I believe this is what's going to happen. But at least hearing and having some understanding means that we won't be shocked and shaken when changes come. I think it's great. God wants to surprise us. There's a difference between being surprised, whoa, didn't quite see it like that, and being shocked and shaken because we were totally unaware. I just feel today, we are greater awareness. And we'll look back in 20, those of us who were around in 2059, and we'll look back and we go, oh, we had some idea, but there was a lot of surprises along the way as to how exactly it was going to look. I think the best response we can have is to say, Father, whatever those changes look like as changes come into our future, I want to be one of those that has a heart that is humble and hungry to move on with you. Not rush ahead of things like Abram tried to do with Ishmael. Not try to rush ahead of things, but Lord, as your cloud moves, I will move with you. So why don't you put your hand on your heart if you feel that's for you and say, Dad, this morning I just humble myself. I do not know it all. (laughs) <laughs> I do not know at all. And I thank you that the Christian life we can be completely secure while never settled. <laughs> completely secure while never settled because our home is a heavenly one and as we move with heaven we are always safe and secure as we march onward with you. Father, I humble myself under your mighty hand. And say, I'm willing to move as you move. I'm willing to move as you move. Speak to me. And Father, keep me from the pride that would say, I have it all already. I remain teachable and willing to move. In Jesus' name. Hmm. Beautiful. It's a great thing. Bless you guys. This week... Music team, everyone here on Thursday night, everything else is in your calendar. God bless you. He just want you to show your appreciation to Chris again. Thanks, mate. You know, Chris, they're holding special, special meetings in their church in Adelaide at the moment with a guest from America, Jeff Jansen. He was up to after midnight last night packing up, the last one to leave. He's got to rush off to his church service now to go to the northern suburbs. It's taken a great effort for him to come and be with us today and we really appreciate it, mate. So thank you very much, Andrew and Bless you guys. Enjoy coffee if you'd like to stay. Bless you. Stay cool.